Welcome to the Legally Speaking Podcast. I'm your host, Rob Hanna. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Mitra Aharun. In 2011, Mitra founded her own law firm, a full-service corporate and entertainment law firm based in LA, where she represents some of the most prominent actors, writers, and directors. Mitra has been named in one of the top 3% of attorneys in California and has been awarded the Super Lawyer Distinction four years in a row. Prior to this, Mitra worked with globally renowned firms specializing in business litigation, intellectual property, corporate law, before branching off into entertainment. Mitra has also worked in legal affairs at MTV and served as a general counsel to Phoenix Books, drafting publishing agreements for authors including the likes of Larry King. So, a very, very warm welcome, Mitra. Thank you, Rob. I'm excited to be here and excited to do this. It's an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. And before we dive into all your amazing achievements and everything you've done to date, we start with our customary icebreaker question here on the Legally Speaking podcast, which is, on the scale of 1 to 10, 10 being very real, how real would you rate the reality hit series Suits in terms of its reality? It's hard to say because I'm a big fan of Suits. Um, I don't know. I'm just going to go right down the middle and give it a safe five. Yeah. Do you know what? That's what I gave it a safe five as well. So we'll, we'll say five and we'll move on. And we'll start where we always like to with our guests. So tell us a little bit about you, your background and, and upbringing. So I was raised in Los Angeles. I've been here my whole life, although for my sanity, I do travel a lot. And my family immigrated from Iran. And um, so, you know, first generation immigrant. And I think that I had a lovely childhood with a lot of family around and a lot of fun activities like dancing. And like, (laughs) I took probably every kind of class there was growing up and a lot of extracurricular stuff. Um, Studying and school was always something that I loved and enjoyed. I dreamt of being a doctor when I grew up and went all the way through um, UCLA getting my degree in psychobiology, pre-med. And in my last year of college, my dad got very sick and I did a very sharp pivot into law school because it was only three years that I told myself I can only, you know, always come back and go to medical school when things kind of settled with my dad being sick and all that. But yeah. of course, that didn't happen. So here I am. Okay. It wasn't something you grew up wishing to be per se. You thought you'd go down more the medical field. You landed in the legal world. So tell us how then you got into entertainment law. Yeah. I mean, again, that's another thing that wasn't planned. Um, I truly believe that you're guided in the direction that you're supposed to go. And when you need to turn, if you're paying attention, you know to turn. And coming out of law school, it made sense. And, you know, I'll say I didn't go back to medical school because life happens. And I think it was also not very realistic. My dad passed away two months after I got my bar results. So I just started working and went to a big firm and got the best job you can get, which is what you do coming out of law school. And so didn't really have a big plan other than it makes sense to do patent law, to practice patent law, because I have a science degree and most lawyers do not have science degrees. So it was a niche. It gave me a leg up. And so I started kind of down that journey. But while I was at um, this larger firm, I was put on an entertainment case and I was working on pharmaceutical patents. And then I got moved over to this merger of two major entertainment conglomerates. and. 
Uh, we had pulled the hard drives from all of the executives because the Department of Justice was doing an inquiry into their pricing practices as is customary in mergers. And I discovered that the president of one of these companies um, was teaching courses at UCLA in entertainment. And of course, one, my dad had passed away. So I was looking for ways to fill time and just kind of get through what I was going through. And second, I'm a perpetual learner. I'm always taking classes. And because I was working on this entertainment case, I was like, hey, why not? Maybe I should take an entertainment course and ended up loving it. And I took ended up doing that entire program in entertainment business. So I became very familiar with business. But also, I really resonated with a professor that I had that, you know, as someone who didn't dream of being a lawyer since I was a little girl, I finally met somebody that I really could, you know, was like, okay, I can identify with you. Maybe I can do this. Maybe this career does make sense for me. And ended up partnering up with her and working under her wing and, you know, kind of, you know, forged my own path from there. But that was really the start of my entertainment career. Wow. And thank you for being so detailed and outlining that for us. And you've gone on to achieve so much. You've had a tremendous amount of success. But I wanted to ask, you know, what has been your hardest challenge you've had to overcome in your career so far? Yeah, I think it's very related to that, to the story I just told. You know, I think that I spent my life preparing for another path. Um, and I always felt like I didn't have the advantage of having even mentally uh, prepared myself working in law offices or even kind of paying attention to what lawyers do throughout the course of my life the way I did with medicine. So I always had this sense that I was not as equipped as I would like to have been. And that's been my biggest challenge. Yeah, no, and it's it's great that you've been, you know, been able to pivot and pivot so successfully in everything that you've done. As I mentioned at the outset, after completing your law degree, you initially worked in corporate law, business litigation and intellectual property. Tell us a bit about what that was like. You know, it was a journey. I believe in law. There are many ways to practice law. You can end up in-house. You can be at a smaller firm, a big firm. You could have your own practice. And there are also many fields. I had to experience a lot of other things before I found the things I love. For example, corporate law was great, but it was also being in a larger firm in that environment was very much not me. Um, because I am, although I'm intellectual, I also have a creative side and I like to even express myself in other ways and be around creative people. And that was a big part of growing up is kind of having that environment. And so this very, um, white shoot type law firm wasn't for me. So corporate law in that environment wasn't for me. Um, business litigation, very good at it. I actually taught myself how to litigate and I won some very high profile cases that were just me. I was the only one working on those cases and it was very satisfying and I was good at it, but it brought out parts of me that I didn't want to show up as in the world, you know, because I have a psychology degree. It's easy to be manipulative if I choose to be, or, you know, there are things that you have to do when you're litigating that don't always feel good. And I found that I was kind of walking away with an icky feeling inside. And so although it was something that I was good at in a lot of ways enjoyed, it wasn't how I wanted to show up in the world. So yeah, a lot of interesting experiences along the way, but I think it's all uh, helped me in what I'm doing now. Yeah, absolutely. And you, you had then, as you mentioned, you transitioned into 
entertainment law so successfully. So what I would like to ask is any words of advice to people deciding on what area of law they want to focus on? And if they were to pivot, sort of what, what were words of encouragement? Maybe someone sat there in an area like not relating with at the moment. Yeah, I mean, I think pay attention to what you're doing and how you feel and whether it's aligned with who you are. I think that's the most important thing in any field. Don't be married to an idea of a type of lawyer that you want to be or a specific field that you want to practice in, because I think that a lot of people think they want to do one thing, go do it, maybe don't like it or get burned out. Maybe it's not the right environment for them. Maybe it's not the right area of law for them. I would say don't let that be a discouragement, but find your place. And there's a lot of places that you can be. Yeah, no, really good advice. Absolutely understand what you're saying. And then in 2011, you took the courageous move to set up your own firm, which is doing so well. Why did you decide to do this so early on into your career? And what was that process like of actually setting up your own firm? I mean, it was crazy because it really, I will say it was out of almost out of necessity. I haven't had kind of this straight career path. I had, like you said, a lot of pivots. Even early in my career, I had a lot of pivots. I was at a larger firm. Then I went and worked with one of my mentors. And then from there, I ended up going in-house to the book publishing company. And what happened there was the president of that company passed away. And because I had decided that I wanted to also do all of their lawsuits on top of all their, you know, transactional work. Um, I was now in the midst of some high profile lawsuits that only I could handle. They were shutting down the company. I mean, we couldn't have predicted that, you know, the president was going to pass away. They were um, shutting down the company and had to sell off all of their intellectual property in the course of selling the business. And so they got rid of everyone but me because they needed me. Couldn't sell without the lawsuits kind of clearing out. And I took them with me as a client into a smaller firm. And that situation was uh, me feeling like I just needed the support of a firm. I was a year and a half out of school. At that point, at that moment in time, when I had gone into that firm, I felt like there was a lot of stuff going on, like press and like these big cases. And again, like I thought I was not well equipped yet. I might have been, but that was the mindset and ended up in a situation where all my clients were basically taken from me and almost didn't want to practice law again for, you know, for a minute. And I took the leap because I wanted to create my own life. And I was very turned off by working at firms where people had different agendas and hierarchies. And also the interaction with clients is very different um, at other firms versus the relationships that I've managed to foster um, having my own firm. Yeah, and I completely agree, particularly that point around the relationship. So, so important. So can you tell our listeners a bit more about your firm and what your role within that encompasses and basically a day in the life? Well, you know, I handle much of the top level deals, obviously. So being in the entertainment space and working with celebrities, you're really, they're coming to you for you and your name. And there are also relationships that I can't really hand off to others. So um, most of the client interfacing and all of that is me. Um, High-level deals are are really all me. 
an entertainment attorney is very different from an accident attorney or personal injury attorney or a tax attorney or a litigator. You know, some people luckily only deal with litigators, you know, once or twice in their lives. Personal injury, hopefully only once. You don't see them again after that case. Your entertainment lawyer is somebody that you're going to be with for years, assuming the relationship is going well really becomes part of your team. And that's one of the things that we're talking about in terms of the relationships that I'm able to build. My clients, I have some that have been with me from day one, day one of their career, day one of my career, you know, when we were just figuring out how to make money, really, how to make the careers work. And that's a really satisfying thing is that relationship is something that I, those relationships are something that I put a lot of effort and conscious effort into. Yeah. And I think that's really sound advice for anybody listening, the importance of really investing in those relationships. So yes, thank you for sharing that, Mitra. So my next question is, how has your life's path impacted who you are today? You know, it's definitely made me uh, somebody who pays attention to the signs I'm getting both internally and externally and from the universe in terms of what my journey is on this planet. Because I have had to pay attention to things that are telling me, oh, no, you should be going that way or oh, that doesn't, that's not where you're supposed to be going. And sometimes they're gentle nudges and sometimes they're like forceful shoves of like, go this way. <laughs> and, um, and I think just, you know, in a career that that I have had to kind of create myself in a way that works for me, I think that's something that I've gotten quite good at. Yeah, no, a- a- absolutely. And so what have been some of the most important lessons, challenges you've learned whilst running and building your own business? Yeah. So I would say one is waking up in the morning every day and being your own cheerleader. Um, No one is really going to do that for you. And times when maybe the world gives you different messages, you have to be the one waking up and saying, you got this, you can do this, like, this is great. And that's a big part of being able to go out on your own and do any venture really is really having faith in yourself and betting on you, you know, you're going to be investing in something that you're going to create that is yours. So that's one. Two, accountability. Anything that happens is on me, you know, whether that is something small or something big, and whether it's something that wasn't even my fault, necessarily, there are things that happen. But also, that means that, you know, the successes and triumphs are all me. So that accountability, which is something that's good in any as- in any aspect of your life, but really, but bearing the responsibility of ownership is something something else. Yeah, I, I love how you talk about accountability. It's something I talk about all the time. So, despite being awarded Super Lawyer uh, distinction four years in a row, founding your own highly successful firm, and everything else, you've been very open in saying the journey hasn't been easy. And you've talked about potentially overcoming imposter syndrome, self-doubt to achieve this success. Can you tell us a little bit about this? And do you have any tips on overcoming those things for those who may be feeling in a similar way? Yeah, definitely. I've always been a very confident person. I was raised by parents who were very told me I can do anything and, and gave me the tools, gratefully, to allow me to find ways to prepare myself. And so I believe 
I still believe that confidence is trusting in your ability to figure something out. It's not just, it's not like this, I know everything attitude, but it's like, I trust myself to be able to figure this out. But I think that even the most confident people have moments where they maybe don't feel like they're equipped or good enough or that they can figure it out. And again, we get a lot of different messages from the world that are that we sometimes internalize. But also a lot of that is within us. And I had, you know, this thing within me that told me that I needed to have X experience or Y experience, or I needed to have done that, or I needed to have done that to receive some of these accomplishments, to really believe that I deserve them. And, you know, like I mentioned, some of that came pretty early in my career and it came as a result of my efforts. It wasn't that, you know, I was at such and such place. And so I can say that my firm represented these big names, but really all the work that I did was in the clients that I have and all of that is my efforts. And so finally getting to a place where I felt that I could 100% own that I had created this life that I think that that is what has kind of helped me overcome this imposter syndrome, but also preparing and educating myself. I'm like I mentioned, always taking classes, webinars, like reading every book that any expert has written and preparing myself and also not being afraid, you know, even at this point in my career, I'm not afraid to ask questions. I don't know everything. And I am so grateful for the people that are willing to get on the phone with me and sometimes even just consult one another and have a conversation and see like, is this the best course of action? Like, what's your experience been with something like this? And that's so key to everything. And I think in particular, getting over this kind of imposter syndrome is just preparing yourself so you feel like, no, you deserve to be here. Yeah, I love that. And I think that curiosity for learning and always, you know, I think so many people feel like I need to know everything. People expect me to know absolutely everything about everything within your sphere of influence. It's impossible to know everything. So I think that's really, really good advice. There's also, I always say this, lawyers, there is no way that I'm going to know the answer to every single scenario that comes up. We have to review case law. We have to do research. You know, there are novel situations that come up every day. And so you're not always going to get the answer off the bat. And that's okay. You want somebody who's not just going to answer you, but is actually going to do the research and homework to give you the most accurate response. So don't expect your lawyer to know everything. Yeah. And if they do, then be worried. Because I think sometimes it's impossible to know absolutely anything. So Yeah, really, really good advice. So as I was going to say, in addition to all of your achievements, uh, you also served as a board member on Skid Row Carnival of Love and Build On. So how do you manage to do it all? I think it's just, you know, passion, things that, you know, you care about, you make time for. The organization that does the Skid Row Carnival of Love is the Wayfair Foundation, which is uh, founded by Justin Baldoni, who's a very dear friend of mine and also a longtime client. And that started with uh, making sandwiches in his living room on his birthday because that's what he wanted to do to be of service. And that evolved as sort of his fame and success evolved into this massive endeavor. And he's such a visionary that he created this huge thing. And I'm lucky to be involved in it, you know, a board member and also 
legal work that, you know, the organization requires. I've learned a lot about nonprofits and, um, and organizing events and, and of course, use my corporate law background a lot with that. But um, it's just wanting to be a part of something bigger than myself. And that's why I do some sort of these other extracurricular activities that are based around service. Yeah, and I think it's, it's, it's wonderful that you do such meaningful work on top of all of your, your legal world. With the legal industry being so competitive, what would you put your own success down to? Never thinking of it that way. You know, only recently have I thought about the fact that entertainment, because I've heard other people say it recently about how entertainment law is so competitive and so hard to get into and all of that. And I guess so, maybe, but I also think that, you know, there's abundance. And I think that the clients that come to me might not be the same clients that are meant for someone else and vice versa. And there is, I mean, we're, you know, I'm, I'm also lucky that I was raised in Los Angeles and I do have a lot of friends that are, um, you know, big names in Hollywood just because we grew up together, you know, like very famous people, A-listers or like we went to school together or their parents were this or whatever, whatever the case might be. And also people who necessarily weren't going to go into entertainment and found their way and then knew to call on me because they know who I am and they know I'm good at X, Y, and Z. But I would say just not thinking of it as being a competitive industry and just knowing that you bring a certain value that the person next to you may not be bringing and vice versa. And there is plenty for everyone. And there is not really this sense of I'm the only one that could do this. And therefore, I want all the clients. I think people resonate with different lawyers differently. Yeah, no, com- completely agree. And I guess that leads nicely on to my, my, my next question, which is around advice. What advice would you give to those thinking of setting up their own firm? Not necessarily law firm, but their own business. Yeah, I mean, make sure, one, that you do your research. I have never done any marketing, luckily, not for wood. It's always been word of mouth for me. I mean, even to this day, it's still word of mouth. Somebody knows me, likes me, knows my work, or I know somebody who knows someone who needs a lawyer and they connect us. I mean, it's really, you know, every day, every week, those are the kinds of ways that I get new clients. But I read every marketing book. And what I actually did that I think may have been unique is I spent a lot of time going inward into what it is that I wanted and what I wanted my life to look like and what I'm about and the values that are important to me and where I want my life to be in five years or whatever, or does this work with those goals? And I think spend time thinking about those things because I really dug into that as a foundation before I made the choices that I did. And then I educated myself and learned from others, but eventually did it my own way. Yeah. And I love that. And that, that uniqueness has obviously served you successfully so well as you've gone through your entrepreneurial and, and legal career. And on the theme of success, your first article in Forbes recently came out. So can you tell us a bit more about this? Yeah, I'm really excited. Forbes is kind of like a vision board thing to me. I didn't actually do vision board on it, but it's something that's been in my head and kind of my, you know, one of the things I wanted to accomplish. And um, I enjoy writing. I miss writing. I wrote creatively my entire life and 
And I also enjoy helping and educating people. As you know, it's a big part of uh, one of the things that I believe I is my duty. And so my first article in Forbes, I mean, it was super exciting. I spoke about, you know, I wrote about something that is one of my areas of specialty, which is film finance. There is a word count limit. And <laughs> that was a bit of a challenge because <laughs> there's so much. And you probably realized through this conversation, I have a lot to say. But, um, but you know, but it's, it's fantastic to at least be able to get some knowledge and information out there, even if it is just kind of the basics to start with. Yeah, and, and thoroughly well-deserved. And so any words of wisdom that you can share for aspiring lawyers listening in? Yeah, words of wisdom. I feel like we covered a lot of that, but I'm going to recap a little bit. One is find your place. Don't feel like just because you don't like one area of law that you're not going to like all of it. So try a few different things and figure out you know, what feels good to you. Uh, spend some time thinking about what you want your life to look like and then pursue opportunities that are aligned with that. And don't be afraid to say no to the ones that aren't. Um, get experience in other areas of law, regardless of whether you think that that's the area that you want to go into, um, you will get something of benefit, regardless of the area of law that you initially work in. Um, and lastly, I will say that get a mentor and also make sure that you are asking plenty of questions. Do not be afraid to ask questions and take classes and read books. There you go. Lots of advice there. And I agree wholeheartedly with all of that. And particularly on the point of mentors, I think they're so, so valuable. So before we, we wrap up, you also do a weekly entertainment law exposed room on Clubhouse. What do you make of the platform and generally social audio? And how do you think others can use Clubhouse and the likes effectively? It's a fantastic platform. And it's something that I maybe never would have thought is a way that I want to contribute to the world. It just, I happened on it. Um, at a, and also I happened on it at a time where I was looking to share more knowledge and information as, as is something that I'm always looking to do. I created and taught a course in entertainment business essentials for the LA Film School. I guest lecture at UCLA. So I'm always trying to kind of be of service in a way where I'm able to help inform and educate others. And when this platform came around, all that really happened was I found myself in rooms where people either had legal questions or there were people who weren't attorneys trying to answer questions that were legal questions. And I was, you know, I would just kind of like slowly raise my hand as like, I can speak to that or actually that's not right. <laughs> and, and, there, and there became so much of that that it made sense to create a space for that, which is something I was thinking about doing. And as I was thinking about doing that, a colleague of mine, David Weiner, uh, approached me and said, I, I'd like to do a weekly room on Clubhouse and, you know, let's do it together. And so we established a space. We've been doing it for months now. The feedback has been that we make it fun. Um, we make it entertaining. Uh, we are educational and we just create a space for conversations and for learning. And it's it's very rewarding and it's a platform that I did not expect to um, have found, found myself on or found a way to be of service in. So it's been great. 
Yeah, ab- absolutely. I'm a big advocate of the the platform, and I, I know it's how we connected. And I love your rooms, and I love everything you're doing. And I guess that brings a, a close to our to our podcast, Meacher. So I just want to say thank you so much. It's been a real pleasure having you on the show and sharing your story and journey. Truly inspiring. So I'd like from all of us on the Leading Speaking podcast to wish you lots of continued success for the future. But for now, over and out. Thank you. It's been fantastic being here. It was a lot of fun. This week's review comes from JTC underscore FF. JTC underscore FF says, Engaging and relevant, Rob is fantastic at drawing out a wide variety of people from the profession and allowing listeners to get a better understanding of the legal industry and its many facets. This is innovative and informative. I absolutely love a bit of flattery. So thank you so, so much for your kind words, JTC underscore FF. It really means a lot. Make sure to leave a review on Apple Podcasts if you want the chance to be given a shout out next week. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Legally Speaking Podcast. If you enjoyed the show and want to help support us, remember to leave us a rating and review on Apple iTunes. You can also support the show and gain exclusive benefits, bonus content, and much more by signing up to our Patreon page, which is www.patreon.com forward slash Legally Speaking Podcast. Thanks for listening.